Okay. <laughs> what? You're, you're, you have technical difficulties. I don't have technical difficulties. Um, man, so, what a week, right? I think I think we can legitimately <laughs> start to go off with what a week. Hold on, hold on. Let me. Uh, here, here you go. Thank you. There, there you go. That, that's uh, yeah. Mine don't have pop tops, but Coca-Cola. we all know that by now. So it's a white can, light. Um. Wow, yeah. Big big night last night, huh? Mm. But no, Tuesday, Tuesday, two nights Jesus. ago, whenever it was. Every night is Tuesday. <laughs> I know, last night was a long week, wasn't it? Oh. Tonight, this week. Yeah, it was, it was. So what do you think? Uh, was he presidential? Um, was she first lady-ish? So she rode in a separate car. She rode in a separate car, left by herself afterward. Didn't stick around, never once cracked a smile, which, and I'm certainly not like a, hey, women, you got a smile person. It's just kind of, you know, interesting, funny, like, did not, she just did not seem like she wanted to be there at all. <laughs> I think that's kind which of Which is kind of like, like, she's all of us, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean. We're all millennia. Yeah. No, we're, we're not. Just we millennia. Um, <laughs> That's terrible. We can get that training, um, right? So, yeah. what did I'll, I think? I'll edit that out in post. Yeah. What did I think? Um, I don't know. I mean, it was bad. It was poorly well, what written. Do you, what, what do you say was bad? Yeah, I, I've got a list of reasons. All right, we'll go. Not sure we have time to get through them. Uh, it was poorly written. <laughs> it was poorly written. Right. For Stephen me, Miller wrote it. I mean, Stephen he's a Miller. Yeah. Mm. And, oh, God. Yeah. Like, it was just poor. Like, somebody talked about, like, Detroit and get the engines revving again. Like, are you serious? Like, I know eighth graders that can write better than that. But, like, <laughs> could, this could you hear passes. That? Could you hear me clapping into yes, the mic? Yes. <laughs> yeah, there was that. There was the constant clapping oh. into the microphone. <laughs> um. Yeah, Detroit, get your your engines revving yeah, again. Serious? Like, I really did a spit take. Oh, but you know, my... Trump only hires the best people. So I mean, there was all that. Like it was just, just as as just general speeches go, it was just bad. The delivery was stilted. Yes, he's always that stilted when he reads from a teleprompter. Yes, he had, used to make fun of Obama for reading from a teleprompter. Yes, he only, was pretty much only read from the Republican side teleprompter, which Sam pointed out to me. <laughs> yeah, did you notice that? Like he never turned to the Democratic side. I mean, like they weren't clapping for him, so it's not really. Well, the only time he, he turned to the Democrat teleprompter, we'll call it the the righty teleprompter because it was to his right, stage right. Stage right. Yeah. The only time he, he turned to the Democrat teleprompter was when uh, he, he said something about like you, you all have to get together and figure out the 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 DACA thing. And he did this like, like lame ass, like hand motion thing, like coming together. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. And, and it, it was, it was so strange, but the whole night he, he just kind of, it, it's like me working at my computer when I'm sitting down all day and I, I, I kind of get to this one side and, I, and I focus on one side and yeah. then I get up to like, go, you know, go pick up the kid from daycare. And I, and I'm like, Oh, what, why is my right side hurting? <laughs> why can I not walk? Oh, because because I I haven't moved all day and I've been typing like that. Well, then um, he also, you know, he, he a number of times he like 
because he just had a ton of individuals he was you know introducing i guess to show he cares about regular people this is yeah. good i mean like i don't i don't mind that part he i mean they were i hate really it incredible. that that needs to end but no. right because i, I want to know like what's the state of the union i i know there are a lot of incredible americans out there um and and i know you're going to use them as a prop Okay, let's get past that, right? But and they but, they always have problems, and they always have like. Turns out that preacher Bob was a child molester. <laughs> it's like, but so a number what? of times he was like, "Please stand." <laughs> Did you catch that? Like he would talk about somebody, and then I guess they wouldn't know, like, because he doesn't know how to deliver a speech, so they wouldn't know that like this is the crescendo, and you stand, and everybody applauses. No, they're not supposed to stand, right? Especially if you're well, in the, and then, in the and then military, he does, like, like, arm motion, like you know, like your song director at church does for like, okay, now we're going to all sing this hymn and stand up in unison. And he's oh, trying yeah. to give that for people to stand, to give him a standing ovation. All right. Cause he's an avid church goer. You know? right. so he's seen that so many right. times. Because in, America, church. in America, we know that faith and family, not government and bureaucracy are the center of American life. In America, we worship God. No, what did he say? Government. Yeah, so he's yeah, God, God, not the government. We don't worship government; we worship God. That's what he says in a lot of stump speeches, and so that was his kind of uh, twist on that, right? And at the end of his speech, right, he says, "As long as we have confidence in our values, faith in our citizens, and trust in our God, we will not fail." Which is this kind of we worship government? We don't worship government; we worship God. It's this Norman Vincent Peale stuff. Uh, It's all of that. so yeah, I mean, obviously, you and I were looking out for the the religion angle, and there's definitely some stuff there that we can that we can talk about um, a little bit. <laughs> a little, not much, right? Not much at all, which is not surprising. Um, well, n- not much on, on the kind of like uh, overt you know, stuff, yeah, overt side, right? But if you look at what he was saying about immigrants, if you look at what he was saying about, um, you know, the. the the economy with, you know, we're, we're doing so great and America has never been this awesome and rock on dude, party on excellent Wayne, you know, like that kind of talk yeah. when you're leaving behind so many people and sure you can look at, at numbers like unemployment rate, which has always been dubious. You can look at numbers like the stock market, which is incredibly dubious uh, <laughs> because it, it's showing the, the widening gap between the rich and the poor because what is it like 80% of Americans have no vested interest in the stock market financially? At least I, I don't even know the number now, but it was something like that. Um, you know, so w- when you talk about how great the stock market is doing, it's like, well, sure. And yeah, some of that's going to trickle down to, you know, the hoi polloi, but nah, not really. Not really um, no. And you look at places like San Bernardino, California, where Amazon opened up a huge new plant and they in, uh, employed 5,000 people. And then employment rate went from 15% down to 5% within four or five years. And that's great. But the average wages for the county dropped precipitously. Mm-hmm. And the number of like chronic diseases rose and the number of unemployment people, uh, unemployed, I'm sorry, uninsured people rose mm-hmm. because there was such a, a uh, you know, dichotomy there between um, like, like a living wage and a sustainable wage and, and what you actually need to survive. Um, anyway, I, uh, don't, don't get me started on the economics. I, I'm no, I'm no McBacon. I'm, I'm not a socialist <laughs> at all. Uh, but I, I, I am very, 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 very skeptical. It, it's sort of like when Obama stood up and went off about how great the country is because you know, look, hey, I'm an African American president, and and things are going to get better. And meanwhile, we've got Ferguson. Meanwhile, we've got you know 
it's kind of the the, the beginnings of the Black Lives Matter movement, right. showing that there are systemic issues at hand. And yes, things were getting better in the sense that we elected a, a you know black man president or half black man, I guess, whatever. But <laughs> I mean, not to be normative, but the the the, the I guess the mm, the performance of progress is always something that that really disturbs me, especially when a president makes it all about economics, because your job as president has nothing to do with economics. Your your job by the Constitution is is to uphold and defend the Constitution according to the Constitution. Right. And he said, like, we want to take the Constitution literally. Which <laughs> yeah, he did say that, which is which <laughs> I, I did like, another I, like have <laughs> you not like you do you know nothing about your favorite con- supposed favorite conservative justices like they right <laughs> like originalism is yeah. not exact like there are some people that claim originalism when they're not originalists but like there's a there's a whole big debate out there over that but he has no idea about that yeah if you're an originalist you are liberal which is kind of funny yeah I mean, the Bill of yeah, Rights was written that was by really, liberals. That yeah. Was, yeah, that was funny. But it's just another example, right? He just doesn't, he just literally doesn't know. You have a grandfather like, clock? Yeah. Well, it's like, it's a grandmother clock because it's slightly smaller. That, that's a thing. But yeah. <laughs> don't, I mean, don't be, don't be normative. She can't, she can't help how big your clock <laughs> is. Jeez. Um, yeah, Harsh. so that's chiming in the background. Um, but yeah, so... So, I mean, for all those reasons, it just it just wasn't a good speech. No, it's terrible. And then you have all of these other things where, like you were saying when you talked about immigrants, right? And and so the morning after, the Washington Post, um, you know, puts out a piece that says Trump tries to strike a conciliatory tone in a State of the Union address. And I'm sitting there thinking, did we not listen to the same speech? He literally compared immigrants to terrorists and gangsters like he did there's nothing about that that's trying to strike a conciliatory tone right he didn't use blatant vulgarities he didn't talk about any shithole countries or you know grabbing somebody by the genitalia he didn't do any of that so now this is like him being presidential like it's just kind of amazing how willing so many people uh in the media are to being duped by this but so there's that which is which is i think really is is really problematic right because he's definitely trying to lay some foundations um, for this kind of anti-immigrant fervor that's already there and trying to boost that. And then this, his whole section about North Korea just feels exactly like he's trying to lay the foundations for a preemptive war like, and a preventative right. preemptive war. Right. Well, and he, he uh, made a, a, a comment evidently at the uh, Republican um, grouping today where he said that, you know, what, what we need to bring the country together is a, a national calamity. Yeah. And, uh, like, are you <laughs> not, not that, and if we don't get one soon, I'll create one. Yeah. I mean, not, not to go like what's, tenfold what's, hat, nine eleven. kind but, of ironic about that is uh, in a lot of ways, he is the national calamity right now that is bringing significant portions of the country together against him. Well, yes, but then you have the Republican Party. Who remains a, a minority group in power, right? Well, I mean, I don't think that, I mean, not not necessarily a minority group. Well, I mean, they are, if you look at like registered voters, Republicans are in the minority. Oh, well, yeah, but so are Democrats. 
Yeah, but I mean, there are fewer registered Republicans than there are registered Democrats. Yeah, but Thomas, have you seen the maps? You know, there's that big swath of the Midwest where there's like three congressional districts compared to the, you know, 49 in in two square miles of L.A. I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know. I mean, but I I don't I I mean, nothing changed. Nothing's going to change from that speech. And now, you know, the, the hot topic is uh, what's going to happen with, with the memo. Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I, th- I think the memo thing is, I don't think it's going to make a, the splash that people think it's going to make. No, I, I mean, I, I think it's going to be more of a systemic splash, like, uh, you know, the FBI kind of getting even more well, fed that up. Might, yeah, that might be true. I mean, like, I think Trump definitely, or, you know, he's been... I mean, there are sources that are saying this, that he thinks the memo will basically help push out Rosenstein. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it could have that that effect for sure. Um, I don't know. I mean, a lot of this feels like inside of baseball, but it is also, I think, really important. But if you just think about the speech... Um, I don't know. Right. So, and then he talks about like our motto is in God we trust. And a lot of people were like, <laughs> right. Are, are you sure? I thought it was E Pluribusinum. It's like, Oh yeah. Well, you know, we actually made this the legal official motto in what 56. And it was two years after we added under God to the pledge of allegiance, which was not there originally. Uh, right. This, this whole time we're kind of pushing back against these quote unquote godless commies. Right. So it's like, there's nothing original about it. And E Pluribus Unum has been around since the late 1700s, but we didn't do things like we have an official motto. We have an official state, um, you know, lizard or whatever crap like that. So it doesn't become the official motto and we don't have one. So like, oh yeah, now let's get an official one about God. Um, I don't know. It was this really kind of weird. Um, I guess it's not that weird, right? It's, what he does a lot but this kind of performative um faith which was not even performed well which is which is always true when he tries right. to do it because it's so unnatural for him but um yeah i don't know it was just so okay so so uh, post post uh his first state of the union maybe his only state of the union we'll see how things go with with Mr. Mueller, but do you think there's going to be any change or sway in the coming year? I mean, say, say he gets you know, indicted, which who knows if that can happen to a sitting president, say he gets impeached or, or say Mueller has some really strong evidence that there was obstruction and blah, blah, blah. Um, do you think evangelical churches or, or the churches that have supported him or the Christians that have supported him so far and continue to strongly, strongly support him will change their tact? I mean, through, through the Stormy Daniel stuff, through, hey, they're the puppies, through, through all the, <laughs> through all the, you know, the, the stuff that we've had about, you know, him saying, well, like an eye for an eye, that's my favorite Bible verse. Right. <laughs> Which it's just so funny. Like 
Like that that's the one you pulled out of your ass, like an eye for an right. eye. And that's really? literally the one that it's like you've heard it's like an eye for an eye, but don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm I'm gonna go OG. I'm going back to Moses. Yeah. So I mean, do you do you think uh do you think anything would change? Uh, you know, say that that the 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 federal government had to come to a, a decision decision point about the presidency. Um. No. You, you didn't give me time to should I take my beverage? Did sip or anything? Do I need to expound on that? Like, I just I'm pretty confident. No. So, so you so, so, so you think they would so, back him up all the way to the wall? Yeah, because here's what I think. I think um, what I want to say is, well, when he, you know, like kind of falls out of the good graces and, and you know, falls from grace and gets impeached because he's not going to get indicted. And he, he will only get impeached if uh, Democrats take control of the House in 2018, which is looking more and more like it's an actual, it's in the realm of possibility, but... We'll see. Long way to go. Democrats are pretty good at screwing these things up. Um, then I would I would want to think, okay, then he's no longer a winner, which is what a lot of people like about him. Like, you know, I, I for sure, that's definitely something that has drawn people to him. He's no longer a winner, so we're not going to back him anymore. Um, but I think all the evidence we have says that the 30% of people that still back him, a significant portion of whom are white evangelical Christians, are going to back him no matter what. I mean, they backed him through the you know, grab him by the genitalia comments. They backed him through the Stormy Daniel stuff, which barely even made a blip on the radar. They backed him through um, Mexicans or rapists. They backed him through every completely horrible thing that he said. They've completely ignored that he has zero evidence of any kind of faith when that has been the the soapbox that they have stood on for years um, and when they've ignored it from other politicians like Obama um, I, I see zero evidence that those who are still supporting him uh, and the white evangelical Christians that still support him I see zero evidence that there is anything that will uh, turn their support now I mean, honestly, at this point, I'm I I wouldn't be surprised if Trump, you know, says something like, "I am literally better than Jesus," and they don't also support that. Hmm. I mean, now we know, like, and you and I know a number of them. There are a number of public white evangelicals that have pushed back and that have said, "This is not who we are," and have been you know, trying to take white evangelicalism to task for it. Um, but those that are still supporting him now, I don't see anything that changes that support. Because if he gets impeached, it's going to be, you know, claimed to be a, you know, a partisan thing and it's the Democrats and it's only because he's a Republican and you know, whatever. They're going to you throw all those talking points out there and his supporters are going to, uh, they're going to take it hook, line and sinker. And, it won't. It it might be five years, ten years down the road. Then they'll start telling people that, oh yeah, no, I didn't support him. He, he was he wasn't a good guy. Right? Because that's what people do. Right? They just lie about that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, I voted for Obama. He didn't. Right? I mean, we we just know we have data that shows that's what people do. People will do that five or ten years down the road, but it won't be 
Uh, it won't be right away. And it will only be after it is completely untenable to view him in a positive light, right? When you get to the point where we are with Nixon now, right? And and what people don't realize is that from all the polls that we've seen, there are more people that support impeaching Trump now than there were that supported impeaching Nixon when he was impeached. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's a very important distinction because Nixon's uh, uh, numbers actually went up after he fired uh, the attorney general, like in the whole Saturday Night Massacre right. situation, like his, his poll numbers actually climbed. And, uh, you know, it, it, it again, it, it's never the crime, it's the cover-up. Right. And, and I think we have such a hard time in our culture understanding, you know, that, that it's not about, um, you know, it, it's not about the you didn't do this or you did this or you didn't do this or you did this. And therefore, because you did this an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, which is clearly something that Trump lives by because he doesn't know the Bible. Um, and they don't see the shades of gray that are inherent in things like the legal system. So when someone like Robert Mueller uh, is, is kind of coming after you, that's, that's gotta be scary for someone like Trump who, who lives in that white and black world. Or, or, you know, the, the 35% of Americans who support Trump wholeheartedly and are not going to change because to them, the world is white and black yeah. or North versus South, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think the line that stuck out to me the most out of his whole speech is one that has not gotten a lot of play and I didn't expect it to, but I think it actually gives us a pretty clear window into Trump's worldview. He said, weakness is the surest path to conflict and unmatched power is the surest means to our true and great defense. I don't know what can better sum up his role as, you know, bully in chief than that, right? That's what a bully thinks. Like if you're weak, then you deserve conflict. And if I can show you that I have unmatched power, then I will, you know, remain king of the playground, basically. Well, and, and read the the corresponding Jesus quote that you you had in your tweet there. Then I put up there, right? If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. If anyone asks for your what cloak, you know, coat, uh, your cloak, give them your coat too. Um, I also went back and looked at Obama's last State of the Union speech because I was like, all right, there was there was something in Obama's speech that. Um, And so I couldn't remember, so I went back and looked at it today. And here's what Obama said. That's why we need to reject any politics, any politics that targets people because of race or religion. Let me just say this. This isn't a matter of political correctness. This is a matter of understanding just what it is that makes us strong. The world respects us not just for our arsenal. It respects us for our diversity and our openness and the way we respect every faith. His Holiness Pope Francis told this body from the very spot I'm standing on tonight that to imitate the hatred and violence of tyrants and murderers is the best way to take their place. When politicians insult Muslims, whether abroad or fellow citizens, when a mosque is vandalized or a kid is called names, that doesn't make us safer. That's not telling it what, that's not telling it like it is. It's just wrong. It diminishes us in the eyes of the world. 
right? And so it's just this this vast difference in right. It, it's this um the okay. You and I both like the Good Place, right? <laughs> yeah. And there's um what's his name um Dax Shepard yeah. is one of the characters in in the second season, and he's he's funny, right? And I j- I just thought of this again because um on the no context good place Twitter feed that I follow the, the screenshot that was up uh, was him. And it said, I just got transferred to a new department, toxic mas- masculinity. Right. And that's what this is. Right. And I wrote a while back about Trump and, you know, toxic evangelical masculinity, but, but it, I mean, it's just so blatantly that, right. I mean, if it weren't so dangerous, it would be kind of sad and laughable, but it's, but the idea that, you know, I've got to be big and strong and got to show everybody that mine's bigger, right? I've got a bigger button, wink, wink. We all know I'm trying to tell you I've got a big penis because I think that makes me a big man. And it still works. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, and that's, and so that is, that's, that's his worldview. Like, that's all he thinks that matters that makes him strong. Whereas you have Obama that has this really kind of nuanced view of it. That if we do that, right, quoting Pope Francis, like this is what will, causes us to become the tyrants and the murderers. Boring. And you have Jesus, and you have Jesus who says, if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. Jesus doesn't say, make sure you got a bigger dick than them, <laughs> right? No, no, that was not. I mean, it's not just, one of the commandments. Yeah, and so I mean, this to me, it was just this line. I think really kind of summed up well, right? Poorly written speech, except maybe for this line, because it gets so clearly into Trump's psyche. This line, uh, I think, stood out to me as kind of the key and pivotal line uh, in his speech, because it tells it like, this is really how he sees the world. He is a bully and anybody that that he perceives any weakness in, what he's got to do to cover up for his own weaknesses is to then attack them, right? That's why he likes to call everybody names, and that's why he, he tries to be diminutive to everybody, right? It's not just names that he calls them, right? But it's, you know, little Chuck Schumer, crying Chuck, right? It's things sloppy like that. Sloppy Steve. Um, sloppy Steve. It's things to, to, to kind of, that are intended to diminish Emasculate. Them, to make yeah. them feel small, to, to emasculate them. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what is likely going to lead us into uh, a nuclear war with North Korea. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> but, but North Korea is going to be at the, uh, the Olympics now because Donald Trump talked them down. Yeah. So, so what does, what does the, uh, the Sunday school teacher or, or the, uh, the pastor of a church say to their congregation about this? about that that sort of notion of toxic masculinity. Yeah. I mean, I think you, right. I mean, if anything, you got to say, this is the example that we have, right. If you're, if your claim is that we're going to follow Jesus's example, like we've, we've got a lot of examples there that have been, you know, passed on to us through tradition and they're all pretty consistent and that violence is not the way. Now, yes, there are questions potentially about was the historical Jesus and apocalyptic? Yes. Now, was he arrested because he actually broke the law by him and his followers um, being armed inside this city gate to city walls uh, during Passover? 
maybe, right? It's a you know plausible theory to maybe he you know believed in this kind of apocalyptic violence. Thought the the you know angels of God were going to come out and and fight on his side. You know, kind of like what those at Qumran thought when they were sorely disappointed when they fought the Romans. Um, it may be from a historical perspective. That's what I think. Uh, but that's not. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Yeah. But but that's not the message, right, that we get that's kind of um, passed down to us in the Gospels. Yeah. And that message is, is, I think, pretty clear. Right. I mean, like the love of money is is the root of evil. Right. I mean, it's it's all this money stuff that is bad. Um, and it's not about violence. It's about helping other people. OK, so so when but by the time we get to the Gospels, um we're dealing with a generation at least removed and we're, we're talking about uh, groups of people in various, you know, different situations outside of Jerusalem. You know, like these, it wasn't Matthew, Mark, Luke and John writing these things as the listeners of the show will know. Um, but when we look at some of the commonalities between them, even though there's th- if you sit down and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which it doesn't take that long to read all four Gospels. No, it really doesn't. I mean, you, you no. could do it in a night. You know, like we, we sit down and we binge watch The Good Plays for four hours. Like you, you could you can knock out at least two Gospels, <clears throat> if, if not all four. But it, when, when you can uh, sort of cross compare them and, and you think about them theologically th- through a, sort of our own lens of the 21st century, they're very, very, very different historically. You know, there, there's different days that Jesus gets crucified, and there's different days that Jesus goes to Jerusalem. How many times he goes to Jerusalem? Uh, you know, why? What does he say? Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, do, is he does he go to Egypt with his family on that staycation, or does you know, like, how, are there wise men? Are there shepherds? Like, there's all kind of shit that like gets mixed up in there. <clears throat> you know, when does he perform the 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 the, the spitting in the mud and you know? putting on the guy's face. Don't do that during flu season. You know, is that early? Is that late? Is he secretive or is he out in the open? Like, Hey, I'm the Messiah. Yo, what's up? I am that I am. Or is he kind of like in Mark where he's like, like Shh, don't, don't tell, tell anybody. Soul. Even at the end, you know, it's like, don't tell anybody. Yes. Um, so uh, there, there are a lot of theological differences, but one of the commonalities has nothing to do with an eye for an eye. It has to do with, like you said, uh, going against sort of the, the ideas of, of the power structure of Rome and the power structure of whatever that that civilization that had built up around that within the local precinct of, you know, Jerusalem within Judea um, and the temple cult. But it was also he was physically enacting the kingdom of God. And saying like, hey, here, you know, here we are, whether you're reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, it, it's a very real physical thing. And he's sort of, in my mind at least, um, upending the notions of, of political power and, and political prominence and saying like, that's not the ultimate power. I'm the old, you know, or this is the ultimate power. If you want to read Mark or I'm the ultimate power, if you want to read John, but there's nothing in there that says, well, 
render unto Caesar what is Caesar's because Caesar is going to protect you and make sure that brown people don't come in and kill you, but render to God what is God's. And what's God's, you know, just, just pray and go to church once a week and maybe give $10 in the offering plate. You know, like, and I think we, we miss the point there way too often. And I don't think enough preachers preach about that. You have heard it said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn them, turn to them the other cheek also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. I mean, how, how freaking radical is that? Yeah. And that's what take, I take think now, right? So the take question it, is, what you, is you want to take the Bible literally? Take it right. literally. Like how how do you how do you say that the constitution should be taken literally, the Bible should be taken literally, and then hear that or read that and not take it literally? Yeah, when I think you know, to answer your question, what does a pastor or the Sunday school teacher say? I think they say like this is this is how you resist, right? This is how you live a radical life is actually follow the things that this you is say what you believe. looks like. No, I'm, I'm being serious. But no, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, yeah. And, and you actually look out for other people. But that's the thing is, you know, in a lot of ways, Trump does kind of embody at least that part of the American spirit, the individualism, right? I got to get mine. It doesn't matter what happens to anybody it's else. It's all about the hustle. Right. I mean, I won't be I won't be surprised if by the end of this, he throws his son in law under the bus. He may throw one of his own sons under the bus. Right. It happened to Fredo. (laughs) I knew it was you all along, Fredo. Or, you know, it happened to Saul. But, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, so. Absalom. So, so Don. Okay, so it's Don Jr. Absalom. I could see him getting his his long, beautiful hair getting wrapped up into a tree. Maybe Ivanka. Ivanka is um, Absalom. Yeah. Oh, Ivanka is. That's Absalom. a whole other layer. Yeah. Or maybe she, no. I don't, I, yeah. I'm not going to get the Bathsheba out. Um, <laughs> anyway, family friendly well, show, right? It's a family friendly family friendly presidency. <laughs> Family-friendly presidency, yeah, exactly. Yeah. To me, on, um, you know, that, that's one of the big questions I think people don't really grapple with. Like, my, my 10-year-old is is now aware enough to start saying to me, like, well, the president lied in a tweet, so therefore, when you tell me not to lie, you know, and it's like, well, no, no, George Washington, focus on the cherry tree and that that mystery. <laughs> on stage, <honest> exactly. but- <laughs> Not not dishonest, yeah. Donald. Let's read this children's book about Abraham Lincoln, and let's not look at the realities of what he Stay did on Twitter in the Emancipation But <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I think I think you're right, and so I think that even if the vulgarities don't, even if that's not what turns you off, I mean, there's there's this this kind of just the the fundamental way that he views the world. Um, I don't, I don't know how you square that with, right. Trying to be a follower of Jesus and like, you know, me, like I'm not super like, you know, I don't know with signs like, Hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. (laughs) Right. 
But like, <laughs> damn, man, like it's like how how more obvious can you get? Yeah, no, I, I, after fifteen years it. of knowing you, I, I want to hear this. <laughs> I want to hear this is the most I've ever laughed on the show. I, I want to see you with a shirt that like you rip open. It says, "Fuck you, I follow Jesus." Or something. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, special <laughs> occasions do I break that out? I mean, I don't put it out there, but I follow Jesus. <laughs> Sorry. You do, and, and I love that about you, and, and we don't talk about that enough. <laughs> but you shouldn't have to, right? Or if you want to, you can. But, like, don't give me this crap about... You're trying to do this performative crap. Oh, yeah, my favorite Bible verse is eye for an eye. And I really like two Corinthians. And you also don't really like to talk. And you know, the, my favorite Bible verse is really private. And I've never asked God for forgiveness because I don't think I need to. And then also, yeah, that stuff Jesus He's said. Weak. Oh, yeah, he was just, you know, a weak <laughs> pussy or something like that. And like, and that's the sure path of conflict. <laughs> but then all these white evangelical Christians are like, Okay, yeah, so I'm on board. Sounds like my kind of Jesus. And the reality is that that's is for that's some people, that's the God that they want. Like this is not surprising, right? We this is we've seen this time and time again. What I mean, right, the whole foundations, I think, right? Apocalypse Second Temple Apocalyptic Judaism that then kind of gets, you know, taken into, co-opted by whatever language you want to use, uh, kind of apocalyptic Jewish Messiah movement that becomes later Christianity. Uh What's the point of that? The point of that is I'm righteous and just, and I'm not getting my just rewards on this earth. And those evil people are evil and they're not getting their just punishments. And so that must mean that this reward and punishment comes in the afterlife. And okay, now I'm on God's good side. So all the angels are on my side, the devils, the demons are on that person's side. And it's okay because I know I'm better than them, right? And I want a God that will... If this God isn't going to give me vindication and justice uh, in this life, then I want a God that will give me vindication and justice in the yeah. next life. Right? So, I mean, for, for a lot of people, right. that is, so, that I mean, is did, the God that they yeah. want. Right? It, it, it's a, it's, um, it's, you know, it's a God that's on your My side. My own personal Jesus. Period. No questions Someone asked. Someone to, yeah, God, oh, God, I can't believe I can't remember the lyrics now, but yes, so, so do you think the majority of his followers feel that way? And when they hear that, they they think, well, damn, that's what I've been thinking all along. Uh, I, I think a lot of them do. Yeah. And they feel vindicated, right? Justified. Uh, okay, and they so, can so Marriott, yeah. So Marriott, honest, uh, Anna and I uh, did a podcast that. this week about this on, on our other show. I know, I saw it. Yeah, we didn't even talk well, about terrible. that. I, I haven't great. listened to it yet. But, but, but I, we I talk about the difference between Baptist sort of understanding and even evangelical understanding of the dichotomy between faith and and education, if you will, compared to something like Lutheranism or, or you know, Episcopalian side of things. And how when I was in college, my Methodist chaplain – always basically look down on Baptist because we relied so much on, on soul competency and, and this idea of individualistic freedom 
that we forgot, hey, you also need to learn your shit. You also need to to know who Augustine is and how to say Augustine versus Augustine. And <laughs> they're, they're two different ones. <laughs> you it's know, Augustine. depends on who you're talking about. Yeah. And, and you need to know who, who, who you know, Basil is and, and, and you need to know who, uh, you know, Irenaeus is and then why that matters. And on the Baptist side, we put so much faith into ourselves that it's like, eh, you know, my revelation is just as good. So I, f- I feel a little, you know, spunky feeling late at night, and that's got to be Jesus warming my heart. <laughs> you know, and Jesus yep. and my soul. You know, and and uh, you, you don't yeah, need the educational true. component. But I, I think what that's led to after decades of, I guess, evangelical revival in our country is this where we have Christianity that is misunderstood and we have a Christianity that is devoid of the real knowledge that uh, even though you're Baptist, like you should still know your shit and you should still be able to, to dial back into, um, you know, understanding church history. Or if you want to just eschew church history, like go get some Greek and Hebrew, like stop reading the, the, you know, the living Bible or something. And, and, you know, it's not just about your revelation or just go read the Bible. Like, sure, take take the living Bible or or the word or whatever you want to use. Just compare all four of the Gospels at least. Like, just take that little small segment, let alone Deuteronomy, but just take that little small segment and read those four Gospels and say, yeah, it's all literal. Like, no. <laughs> and then go listen to Trump. But people aren't willing to do the legwork. Like, people, people want to log into Facebook and, and get a, a, a newsfeed. They want to see what they should think and what they should feel and what they should like. Because you can't unlike anything on Facebook, right? You can't thumbs down stuff. So we, we all just want to be able to, to log into our like factories and say, I like this, I like this, I like this. Thumbs up, heart, star, whatever. And we're, we're at that point now with Christianity in, in the United States where it's getting really dangerous because we're wrapping it around a flag and a NASCAR and an NFL standing before the state of the union slash national anthem. And, and, you know, in, in my state, our governor just put out a proclamation that all citizens of our state should stand up before uh, the, the national anthem at the Super Bowl. Like, seriously, you want me to <laughs> stand up while I'm watching this on my TV at home? If I'm, if I'm going to do that or at a bar, or, you know, whatever, like that, that, that's a governmental thing that you just. I'm put definitely going to be kneeling. Like, and then to wrap that around Jesus and the flag together, like that's. I don't know. That's weird. You you grew up with. And I know we have to wrap up here. You grew up with the uh, the the pledge of allegiance to the Bible and the pledge of allegiance to the Christian flag. Yeah. Right, and we we talk about that on the show too. And. Yep. 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 I exactly. Mean, exactly. Yeah, we've talked about that. It's it is. It's, it's this Christian nationalism. And, and, for, and for Trump, and, and the thing is, what, what it's becoming with Trump is it's becoming even less, quote unquote, Christian and even more nationalism. Right. So it was, you know, kind of this manifest destiny stuff. And there's a little bit of that in Trump's speech. Right. Um, 
where and it's kind of like God wants us to do this. And now it's more just like we're great because we're great. Oh, yeah, a little bit of God over here. But mostly it's just nationalism. And we don't like those brown people and black people and immigrants and basically anybody that's not us right now or anybody that can't help us make money. We don't really like them. Right. And, and so it, it 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 is this in a lot of ways. I, mean, I don't know. I'm, try not to go here, but in a lot of ways it does kind of parallel the nationalism that you see rising uh, in the late twenties in Germany. Right. And you have the kind of the church, you know, large segments of it that are supporting those nationalist policies. And it becomes increasingly less with kind of the, the church and Christian influence and more just kind of outright nationalism. And I think that's where we are now where we have kind of, um, gone over uh, the the edge, so to speak. And there's almost now no pretense. There's just barely a veneer of pretense there, um, which is why I think it's so dangerous. And that's what you and I have been talking about for two years, right? Um, but I think you're absolutely right. What what is what you what you notice is that those that still support Trump that are in this vein, those white evangelicals, um, they at a certain point, they don't even realize now that all they have and what they're clinging to is nationalism, right? It, it is it is hardly anything else at this point than just blatant anti-immigrant nationalism. And that's why I think that uh, the show, The Man in the High Castle, the Amazon show, was so good. The first season, anyway. The second season took some turns and it was in. Eh. But the first season I thought was fantastic because it showed – how can quote Same unquote thing with good people by Philip support the Nazis? Yeah. Great book. What story? Right? Yeah. 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 Right? We're, we're yeah. not as I far mean, we, away we all make that trade off. as people yeah. would like. The, the ones who walk away from MLS. Yeah. You know, we, we all decide, like, what's, what's the social contract? Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's it worth? And, uh, I don't know. It, it feels like we're getting closer to, to the edge of something. A new normal? I don't know, but it, it doesn't. It doesn't feel good. Yeah. One, and I, d- I definitely think it's a new normal. I, th- I think I don't think enough people realize. Like we can't go back. Right. We can never go back. So it's not like, oh man, yeah, that Trump, he was crazy, but we're going to go right back and you know all the norms are going to go back in place and everything's just going to be kind of, you know, right. we can we can breathe a sigh of relief. You can't go you can't back. Right? You can't go home again. You can't put the cat in the back. And and so all of the, yeah, um, all the norms that have been broken, those are pretty much irreparable, I think, at this point. And I don't think that we understand the the immense damage that is that this has done and the will least. do for our politics, our institutions for a generation. Hold on, hold on. <sighs> but on that note, like, let me. Uh... I don't know. Is there yeah, anything positive? <laughs> Please stand. <sighs> There you go. Please stand. It, it felt God, to me that, like the clapping. Um, the clapping. Yeah, please clap. You know, it was it was a Mussolini or, or Khrushchev like banging his shoe on the desk. Yeah, we're fucked. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We, we should not we, do we, our shows. So we're at back to ending our shows anymore. on depressing notes again, I guess. Right after the State of the Union, we can we can do this. Actually try to we can, we can soldier through. We will be the rebellion. <clears throat> so the good news, the good news is that um, <laughs> Apple gave us their quarterly earnings, and they're they only you know they're disappointing news. Is, <sighs> but but the cutting their revenues are only going to be between sixty and sixty billion dollars for the quarter. You feel bad that you bought an iPhone ten. But that it's going to be like, like a pariah phone. It's no, like it's a fantastic seat. phone. Yeah, but I'll, yeah, well, I'll hold on to it. I'll put it I in do. my. Um, <laughs> I'll add it to your iPhone collection because I don't keep my uh, old there iPhones. But I know you have I've a bunch of museum. When here. I get rid of it, I'll, um, I'll, I'll send it to the Harrelson uh, iPhone Museum. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I thought that was fascinating. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're, they're putting out the HomePod, which is a piece of shit. Like, God. And it's also going to be, oh, God, yeah. It's going to be a flop, too. I thought about buying one, I mean, and then kinda, I was like, okay, I'll, like, I'll I don't know. The, I don't understand what's going on. I don't know. I'm I don't not understand an iPhone user anymore. I don't understand. But, you know, I still have an iPad, and I have an iPhone. I don't use it for my daily driver, but I, I use it for development. And I was like, well, you know, whatever. It doesn't play Spotify. It doesn't tell you like your calendar or any of the stuff that I use Google Home for. Because we have a Google Home Max. I bought the stupid $400 like, I guess, Google speaker, which I love. I mean, I can I can shake our neighbor's windows and we're not that close. But like this, that thing is loud. And I thought about getting another one just so I could have stereo sound just to um, play my Kendrick Lamar. But and we also have Amazon dots and echoes all over the house. You, you can't you can't do like a quarter of the stuff with, with the HomePod that you can do with either one of those. Well, for me, it's like, OK, I already have a sound system in the house. Apple TV hooked up to it. I don't need another speaker. If I'm going to get another voice yeah, thing, it's exactly. going to be. Probably like you know uh, a Google one because it's a, it's a lot more versatile. But also yeah, for me, but, like, I mean, when, I'm not going to have my phone, Google Assistant. Why, like I don't need another Siri. Everything in this room. Once you right. <laughs> once you have that, um, it, it's a, it's a really nice augment. So I, I was on a yeah. No, I and I can understand that, but I'm saying like for yeah, me, that's a, I don't need the HomePod or anything speaker, like that because I don't like to me it's a it's a Siri with a good. It's speaker. like the hi-fi. It's like the hi-fi speaker they tried to push. Right, that's the thing. It's like they're trying to go back to their their music roots. Right, they're trying to go back to the music roots, but what they what they don't realize and is they're not going to buy like, these speakers. Audio anyway. files are you, you, a half a percent of your audience you now. Pretty good deal for you know six hundred bucks. Yeah, you can get they're a not, pretty good. They're nice, not going to be as good uh, as nice their speakers. I have one like right here have. with my record player. And when I bought this Google Home Max, like I could hook my record player into the Google Home Max, and I have, and it sounds better than this eight hundred dollars speaker system I have with a, uh, you know, two tall things and a huge subwoofer and <laughs> two tall speaker sacks. Yeah. 
And I have, I have a subwoofer that's things, like three by yeah. three, and I've got like a the, got the receiver itself, and you know, all that stuff. Um, but the Google Home Max sounds better. Yeah. And I spent like a lot of money and time like putting this together, and I thought, okay, well, you know, this will last me for ten years. And I'm like, well, I should put that on eBay. Yeah, and I've got a system like that too. I think the only thing I need to do to mine is I need a new record player because um, mine's old enough that I had to get like a tuner converter to work with my receiver. And no, no, like you, it, you know, I can't access my record I, I player my record anyway player other than Google the record, the physical player, right? So I Isn't can't do cool? it via Bluetooth and all this. I need, um, yeah. yeah. So I, I I need a new record player to do that with, but um, but why wouldn't they put out something? Yeah, so that's, I, don't, I don't. Yeah. So disappointing I, for I Apple, right? Only sixty two billion dollars. Like, like in maybe it's it's, a, it's it's I mean, one of those like uh, the, the, the iPod with the hot with the um. What was the Firewire type connector like? Like the first gen, <clears throat> like where you had to be in the ecosystem to get it, and then they, you know, expanded. But still, yeah. the yes. the, the system. I don't know. Right. Well, they also. I mean, they had to. A very good. IPhone they 8. were killing the iPhone 10 by releasing it beside an iPhone 8. Right. A very good iPhone eight. The only difference, I mean, right? I mean, there there are very minor well, differences. There's some camera differences. The yeah. The only major difference is the ten is all screen and the eight has the bezel. But right, some minor right. But they're but minor what, for for the average consumer, which is what you got to think about because that's how you're selling tons and tons of units is the average consumer. But so the average what, consumer, my, my dad, says, um, I mean, that's interesting. Had but do I want to spend three hundred dollars more or whatever seven. for that one? No. So he uh, he called me. The, I don't know. A month ago and he was like hey you know my, my phone's been crappy you know that i'm, I'm just gonna go get a new phone i need a new phone and i was like all right and he's kind of like me like he's he's he, he's not tech at all but he loves new stuff he loves new new treats so he's like i'm, I'm gonna go to the at&t store and i was like all right he's like i want you to talk to the person tell him what i need and i was like all right so 30 minutes later a guy calls me he's like hey i'm talking to your dad and uh he wants he wants the latest and greatest and he wants the iphone 10 uh, what do you think? And I was like, no, dude, like it, it, just give him the iPhone eight. Like he, he, he's used to, you know, force touch and, and thumbprint. Yeah. The home button, all that's, you know, like we've been trained on that. It's like, he really wants to 10. He's like, here, you talk to him. And I was like, all right, dad. So, you know, what's up? He's like, no, no, I, I could do it. I can, I can do all the gestures. I, I get it. Like I, I get the, the, the face recognition, face ID thing. I was like, Dad, like you, you don't need that. Like, and it's more money. He's like, No, actually, it's the same price. And I was like, All right, put me back on phone with with Joey or Jeffrey or whatever. So I get the guy back on the phone. He's like, Oh yeah, we're having a special now. So it's it's uh, basically the same price. And I was like, Basically, <laughs> he was like, Yeah, you know, it's like two dollars different on the on the monthly bill. I was like, That's not the same price. And he's like, Well, you know, I mean, yeah, but you know. And so I get back on with Dad, and it, Dad's like, It's two bucks a month. Like, yeah, it's it's like and I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> so the dad got a 10 and he put it in an otter box, of course. Yeah, over 18 or 24 but, months. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was out to, to I was at our, our weekly poker game. I don't play poker, but he was, I was at our weekly men's poker game this weekend with, with some of the people you know that I talked to. And uh, when, one of them had a, an iPhone 10 in an otter box. And he's like, oh, I don't like Androids. Androids are ugly and, and they, they're fat and, terrible and i was like you, you have an 
510 in an Otterbox, like compared to this beautiful phone I'm holding up to you right now. So anyway, <laughs> you have an Otterbox. That's the way to go. Well, so my tip That's now is do. in the um, the kind of nice light brown leather Apple case. Really sleek, really smooth. It obviously, obviously, like we love leather goods, so I'm gonna go with a leather case. But yeah, it's it's great. I really like it. Yes, it, it actually. Yes. It, the other thing that I really like about it, um, it takes away the camera. Mine's wobble. much smaller. I, yeah, so I, I carry because my, they have projection. <laughs> We've talked about this on the show before. My camera wobble. Um, and yours is too. Yours is small. My Pixel Two XL around all the time without a without a case because I put a D brand skin on the back. And now I have a D-brand skin on my Chromebook, and it looks freaking awesome. Um, but yeah, there's there's no wobble on this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when, yes, it's laying, a, when it's you know, like when, why would they when do the tin and out of, without a case was laying on my desk, and go to type on it, it wobbles, and I was like, oh hell no. <laughs> like, yeah, yes. But again, and I agree with the with the Pixel and the iPhone, like. Why? Like, make it a few millimeters thicker, and it's flat. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get no, that. No, no. So we're, yeah, a lot of the decisions there. I, I think that yeah. they need to ask people like yeah. us. I mean, and we're not even like an. And make sure that concern. your camera is like is. Uh, I think we think about this way more than most. people If do. you look, uh, yeah. this is going to drive people crazy. Anyway, and it's only until the iPhone seven that you get this. But if you look at the corner of your phone where the camera is, and your camera is not in the middle of that corner, like a bisect, like maybe it's a little skew. Like that drives me crazy. It's going to drive you crazy now. But I mean, you're fine with the 10 because it, it kind of has a horizontal thing. But like, and my Pixel's fine. But if you have an iPhone yeah. 6, I think it's anything before the 7, the, the camera is not like centered right. into the corner. And it's like, what, what was Johnny Ive thinking? I mean, it's like it was written by right. Stephen Miller. Well, so there's little details. I mean, all right, we've talked about this before, but it's, it's little details that seem to be on that note going by the wayside. Yeah. <laughs> and on that note, um, if you want to follow us during, uh, if you want to follow us live tweeting during um, political yeah, events, which, but this great. is the first time I've live tweeted a political event in a while. I, you know, I had to kind of stretch and everything beforehand, but. Um, you can do that. Like, I, I noticed. I noticed. On Twitter. Well, see, was, I, I, didn't, uh, it was, I, I didn't live tweet it. I was just man, there was, liking I, responding to other I people. I held back a lot more than I wanted but, to. But I, I was a lot proud of you for doing that. To. And you should do but, that more often. Yeah. So, anyway. Follow us on Twitter. That's where all the good stuff is. Sam is at Sam Harrelson. I'm at Thomas Whitley. You can always find this great podcast at thinking.fm.